Hello, this is Reverend Dr. Gene Archer, Senior Pastor of the Pilgrim Church of the Firstborn Toronto. And I'm here to serve you, and by God's grace and goodness, we try to work close to God's Word, close to the text, to reveal God's mind to us. God is His own revelation, self-revelation, and He is his own self-interpretation of that self-revelation and that's why we study the word of god so that we can understand god's mind who he is and who he is towards us god bless you thank you for your holy spirit given unto us to lead us into all truth thank you lord that you have not left us alone in this world and you will not take us out of this world until you return as a, as a body, as your body, the church. Thank you, Lord, for your people, everyone who is, oh God, in attendance. Oh God, I pray that your word will find some place in our hearts. And at the end, our faith will be infused by your strength. And we will be encouraged and, oh God, our hope will be strengthened too as we face the world and the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'll be speaking on the text, John chapter 17, and um, the overarching theme I'll be addressing is one word, guarantee, guarantee. And, of course, this is coming from the heart of Jesus. So we'll be focusing on the very doctrine of God and our relationship with God as dictated and defined by God and no, no other force or source. Guarantee and warranty, we use those two words interchangeably. Actually, the dictionary tells us that a warranty is a guarantee of the integrity of a product or of the maker's responsibility for it. And so, in a sense, guarantee is more than warranty. Guarantee goes beyond warranty, but yet still warranty is embedded in that. And it's a language of, of economy, economics, as it were. And so a closer look at these words will show that um, the relationship of these words are from the same source. They were originally one and the same but they were changed over time. The root of both words in the French comes to mean protect, to protect, to warrant, or to guarantee. And so we see even on the surface there that guarantee is truly stronger than just warranty, and it transcends warranty. 
When we look into the Greek text uh, in, the, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, but in particular the New Testament, we see that the word guarantee, the, the, the usual word that is used is, is egeos, E-G-G-U-O-S, egeos. And it means under good security. That's the adjective. It means a guarantee, that's the noun. It means the absolute security that we are in the center, are under the covering, so to speak. And so when we pray for covering, and I know what we mean, but still we are just um, affirming that which already exists. And so, this John 17, the text, it tells us something about the whole cosmos. It tells us something about the future of this earth and so on, as we're going to see in a moment. COVID-19, and also of the thousands of years of recorded history, there has only been about 200 years of cumulative peace. The heart of mankind is uneasy and restless. Unrest globally, internationally, nationally, locally, economically, politically, racially, and even family, and also personally exist. The psalmist says, when the foundations are shaken, what shall the righteous do? In other words, what is the standard or measure of stability and peace? How can all things be finally settled? Every day, one does not know what to expect. When will there be harmony and freedom from chaos and flux? Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was turmoil in the cosmos. In fact, in heaven itself, there was rebellion and war, but not so in God. Not so in the Trinity. Never was there a time when there was conflict, turmoil, and chaos in the Trinity, in the triune God of grace. The only place in existence that is not affected and disrupted and distorted by sin is in God, is God himself. Yet this God came down to the very lowest depths of our condition, offering up himself as Jesus Christ and dying on the cross for us. The head of creation is humanity. Humanity is called boundary beings because we exist between two worlds, the physical and the spiritual. The true heart, the true head of humanity is the new Adam. That is why the Son of God became flesh. St. John chapter 1 verse 14 and tabernacled among us. 
We did not ask for it. We did not even deserve it as such. But while we were enemies, Christ came and died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, not holding their sins against them. According to Romans 5, we see that the, there is this tension between the, the first Adam and the last Adam. And the last Adam is Jesus Christ himself. And so the, the first Adam brought sin and distortion of all relationships, even more so the last Adam brought the reversal and the exaltation of humanity to the place of wholeness as God intended. And this is found in the church. The church is God's new humanity in Christ, as I always say. This is first and finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So therefore, there's only one place that the guarantee of love, of wholeness, of freedom, of authentic, to be authentic in your being, of acceptance and belonging, there's only one place, and that is in God. And so I'm going to talk about guarantee down on this earth here in, in, in a true sense of reliability and so on. The Bible says that everything is passing away. And so here's the heart of Jesus. What is the heart of Jesus? It is said that the last words of a dying person are the most important words to that person. Of course, on the cross, Jesus mentioned some words there. But here is, we are brought in to see the whole mission and the heart of Jesus as he intercedes for his people before he was arrested and then and before he was taken to the cross and before he went to die for us. And so John, in, 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 this is this high priestly prayer. This is really the Lord's prayer <laughs> in the true sense of the word. And it, it echoes the heart of Jesus. It tells you where his whole heart throb is. He didn't speak about anything. So everything that is in this prayer is of utmost importance. And so what he does in this priestly function of a capacity as a priest, that he brings the people before the Father and brings the Father before the people, that's what a priest does. Brings God before the people and bring the people before God. Jesus does this in the John chapter 17. And so here purpose and desire are merged as one. Purpose and desire are merged as one in John 17. We see the heart of the Father manifested in the heart of the Son in this prayer. And so, in a word, the heart of the triune God of grace is that is to be one as they are one. And now let's unpack that. There's, there's some guarantee factors here. And at the end, I will, I will um, quote many scriptures, um, just one after the other to, to, um, to show this. 
first of all, yes, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10, we see that for in Christ all the fullness, the word for fullness there is the pleroma of the deity, that means the triune God lives, is permanently settled down in bodily form. And in Christ, you, myself, we have been brought, note the tense, past tense, we have been brought, this past absolutely com accomplished irreversible fact. It's a past absolute accomplished irreversible fact. That's how strong the tense is used here. Have been brought to fullness. To pleroma, the same pleroma that is in the Godhead is the same pleroma that we have been made to partake of. And so here he is the head, it says in the next part of the verse. He is, present tense, not shall be. He is the head over every power and authority. Without any exception, he is the head over every power, every kind of power, and every kind of authority, either in this world or in the world to come. And yet still, this is a guarantee that we have God um, on ours. We are on God's side. He has brought us not only on his side, but, but in his very life to participate in all of these um, things of power and authority. And we're going to see that, how that works. And yet still we need, we, we, we should not be living off what we see and how we feel, but we should be living off these objective truths that cannot be changed or cannot be shaped because God himself is saying it. God, this is interesting. God is bringing you to himself. He has brought us to himself, yes, but in the sense of our awareness. And also, he is bringing you to you. He's bringing me to me. Sin has messed us up and we do not know our true who we are. But in Christ Jesus, we have a guarantee that Paul said, then I will know as I am known. And one of the biggest challenges in our very, all of our lives is to know ourselves knowing God. And in knowing God, God also reveals us to ourselves. And, and sometimes we think that revelation is all ugly, terrible things. But no, he wants us, the Bible talks about, must keep putting off the old man. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. The old anthropos, the old humanity, the old self. And keep putting on, we have it already, but we live out of that orientation of the new authentic, genuine self. There is a place for proper understanding of self biblically. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is not narcissism. This is, and we say, oh, let nothing of self. Self is terrible. No. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if, if, if there's nothing of self and so on, I know what we mean. The, the, the old um, fallen self. 
but we sound so pious not knowing that God wants us to, to know ourselves. And in our loving God, and so we'll begin to love ourselves as our, to share in that, that, that love that God has for us to ourselves. And so that's a guarantee. All, everything else in the world right now that we are depending on to find our true authentic personage, we get disappointments. We get, we, we, we get to depend on others to, to define us or to, to affirm us and so on. No, all of this is already done in Christ objectively. And through the Spirit of God, we have been brought now to, to discover this. So we are not just detached and, and so on. And, and a lot of us do things to, to, um, to try and get this sense of value and worth when it already is so. We need to just live out of that worth. And so, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. So God has given us, again, this is not shall give, has given us no exception. You feel that you're some, some elite Christian and so on, and we make these, these no, every Christian, God has given us all, not some, we need. That's full guarantee right there. We have it for life, not, not some, not, and yet still we, we grow up around in life so much. And I'm struggling with this too myself because when we see things happening in life and so on, we have to know. We have to lay hold on the faith and believe in, in what the word of God says here through the spirit. Meditate on these things for life, for your life, for your, where you are in life, for your, your, the dirty here and now, for your, your questions and your doubts and all the, the paraphernalia that, makes up, that, that make up your life. And godliness. That means your, your, your spiritual aspect of your life. We have everything. So God, God covers all the bases. This is a guarantee we have. And we have to now discover what we have here. We have a guarantee here. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father for Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Whoa! We always want blessing. And I know what we mean. But in the tense years, who has not who shall if we do this and that this is a this is a, a just because we're in christ this is a, a a declaration god is not a contract god like you know if i do this and do that of course if we obey god we will experience a blessing because god's blessing is descriptive and sometimes we turn that descriptive blessing into a prescriptive blessing. That means here's a prescription if you want to be blessed. Well, God has already blessed us. That's a, that's a description being stated here. This is in which we exist. But now, by obeying God, we get to experience that blessing which we already have. And this is the Christian journey. This is the tension. This is why we study God's word. Because we need to know what guarantees we have in life. Because everything seems to be failing and falling apart. Because we are placing our trust. I want to bring clarity for when everything starts to fall apart in life, your health and everything, we need to hold on to 
these guarantees that we have in Christ. God has blessed us. And there are different kinds of blessing. Absolute, past, accomplished, irreversible fact again. Us, everybody, every believer, born again Christian, not the old world. In the heavenly realms, beyond the cosmos, in power and untouchable security of being. That's what that means. With, and the Greek word for with, there is in, E-N. And it is a preposition which means within the sphere of, within the context of operating from inside something every every here is a, is a greek word which means um every kind of spiritual blessing in christ within christ jesus just because we are in christ which is mentioned about 170 odd times in scripture the all of these things here so we are in some resources now a lot of those resources we kind of put that into a physical sense like the the um the the um the televangelists and so on a lot of them who are talking about the the prosperity gospel and so on they are what is called over realized eschatologists in other words they are trying to um realize the future of the christian life in christ where there's no more sin the earth is not passing away they want to realize that now and so that is why you see books written by joel austin which says um your best life now no, no, no. Not your best life now. The Bible doesn't teach that. The best is yet to come. This is a guarantee we have. We, we have, we have we, there are certain guarantees we have down here. And the guarantee is that we're going to age, we're going to die, and so on. But I'm not talking about those guarantees. I'm talking about some, some, some blessed guarantees that will transcend and, and prevent us from going into depression and anger and all kinds of stuff. Because we have misplaced expectations, even from God. And so, Ephesians says this here, and the prayer of Jesus for us to be one is actually powerful. And we will look into that. First thing, we have the glory. Guaranteed. We see this in verse 22. I have given them the glory. Who is saying this? Who is saying this? Is this some your mind or anything? This is what Jesus is saying. Not that I shall give them the glory. Of course, our ultimate glorification of our body is still future. But it says, I have given them not just glory, but the glory. The definite article is used to emphasize a particular glory. What kind of glory? The same glory that Jesus, that, that, that Jesus had from the beginning um, with the Father. Now, what is this glory? The word glory here is doxas. Doxa. From doc, doc, docao. And it means to exercise personal declaration on a statement which determines value or worth. Doxa also means in the Old Testament to be heavy, to have substance, not heavy in the sense of poundage weight, but heavy in, in the sense of content having the sense of um value and worth it conveys god's infinite intrinsic worth in the true sense of who god is but it literally means that god himself is thinking this way about us it's god's mindset that's what doxa means too it means that um 
that something has intrinsic and inherent worth because the one who brought it into being and created it and, and, and formed it and changed it, this is the one who is saying this is what it is. That you gave me. And so the same glory that Jesus has is the same glory that we have. But the glory has purpose. Because the glory is, is not just a shining effulgence alone, but it speaks about the harmony and the exactness of reciprocity within the Father, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And um, because we see it also in um, Romans, I think chapter 15, where it says there, accept one another, verse 7, accept one, just as God in Christ accept us, in order to bring glory to God. That is a relational thing. And it says it here, I've given them the glory so that there's purpose now. So that the purpose of the glory, that may, they may be one, just as we are one. See that? And so the glory is not just, oh, I feel good. I have an experience. And there's a place for that. The glory, that, it, that the guarantee that we have is, it's a guaranteed glory. We have it. And the purpose of it is to what? To make us experience the oneness which we objectively have already. One of the things with apartheid, that, that, that one of the main things that changed apartheid was in, in, in the church system in, in South Africa was actually their doctrine of their relationship to God. It's a relational factor. They came to a place, and this is fact, they came to a place where they said, they, they do defend the blacks and white Christians, and said, but wait, no. And we belong to the same body. And when they realize that there is actually the same body, they objectively um, were equal already in Christ and one already, which they couldn't change. That's why the Bible says um, in Ephesians, we must endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Not our unity. It's the spirit's unity. The same spirit that is in the triune God. This unity of the spirit. We must endeavor to keep the unity to make sure that we submit to the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit will make us experience unity which we have already. Not the unity from the Spirit, but unity of the Spirit. We can't create unity. Let's be united. No. Let us live out of the unity which we have already. It's guaranteed. I've given them the glory that they may be one. They may experience this unity. Secondly, I have... the. We have guaranteed sanctification. Verses 17 and 19. Jesus now prays to the Father. He says, sanctify them to thy truth. Jesus Christ is not offering a request here. Jesus is actually commanding the Father. It's in the imperative mood here. Sanctify them. Hagidso is the word used here. means to let them be and behave as designed. That's the process of sanctification. Um, positionally, we are sanctified, but then the Spirit of God takes us through life, through yielding to the Spirit, obeying the Word of God, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, so that we begin, begin to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That image which is already in us because we are in 
the, um, the, the last Adam, Jesus himself. And, and so it says here now, um, sanctify them by thy truth. And the word for by there is the Greek word en, which also it means within. It's so not if by means of, and it can apply, but it means from within the truth. It's when we are immersed in the truth, we begin to experience this truth about this, this um, sanctification which we have already. And uh, thy word is truth. Didn't just sanctify them through this and, and fasting and prayer. All these things are good, worship, good, excellent. But Jesus here says truth. And then it says in verse 19, I sanctify myself that they too will be truly sanctified. Now, that's a whole sermon itself. But in a nutshell, verse 19, I sanctify myself. That means Jesus had no sin. But Jesus assumed and bent back our humanity in himself, where we're told in the earlier epistles, um, in, in the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, where Jesus grew. I think it's um, um, Mark, Mark 1 verse 52 there, or 2 verse 52. Jesus grew and increased. The word for grew there means so to advance is a pro ecopto. Pro means to beat forward. It means from within. And copto means to, to chop. So in our humanity, when Jesus Christ was on earth, throughout his life, he reshaped our humanity in himself um, going forward. And so therefore, that is, that is one aspect of the sanctification of Jesus. He became sin without ceasing. He became a sin so sacrifice for us, but he became human without ceasing to be God. And he became flesh without sinning in our humanity. And so this Jesus Christ now says, um, this is the guarantee of our sanctification. We're not thrown back on ourselves. I, 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 I sanctify myself that they too will be truly sanctified. So our sanctification is always contingent or based upon the sanctification of Jesus. Once you, once you try to make a disconnect, then you're getting into all kind of legalism and all kind of man-made stuff. The Spirit of God informs us about our sanctification. This is guaranteed sanctification because it is based on Jesus' sanctification. Nothing and no one has the power or the ability to stop or undo this. We, we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus and that's a guarantee it will happen. Why will it happen? Because we are in Christ. And how will it happen? Because we are in Christ through the Spirit. Um, Jesus says it here. That they will be, will be sanctified based upon his sanctification. So we have guaranteed sanctification. Can't escape it. Thirdly, we have guaranteed oneness. Verses 21 to 23. Unity, that they may be one just as we are one. I in you and you in me, that they may be one in us. And then Jesus said in John 14, verse 20, as I always quote, um, Jesus says, Dear, in that day you shall realize that I'm in my Father, my Father is in me, and I am in you. No, we can't change that as Christians. That's a guarantee. 
This is the heart of Jesus unpacking in this prayer a reality and dimensions of truth about our existence that we are getting to understand and be reminded of through his prayer. This is the content of Jesus' prayer. And there's much more sermons could be done just on those verses there, um, John chapter 17, verses um, 21 to 23. But then, the fourth point, we have guaranteed protection. Back to verse 15. We see this also in Job 10, verse 12. Job 10, 12, Job says here, you gave me life. You showed me kindness, and in your providential provision and protection, you watch over my spirit. I don't have to open a Bible to get protection in my, my home and water spirit. No. God watches over our spirit, not an angel. God watches over our spirit. Verse 15 says of John 17, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Sometimes we want to come out of the world before our time. We see that even suicide is on the rise. People contemplating suicide. We see that ministers, church members, all kind of thing. You go on YouTube and in Google and you see the numbers counting up. People are trying to get out of this world. And when you go through hardship, we try to escape it with mental gymnastics and all kind of distractions and so on. Christianity is real. It makes us face the, the, the passing away and the fallenness. Okay, yes, you don't believe in healing and miraculous. Of course I do. But they point beyond themselves to the presence of the kingdom and a time coming when, when, when there shall be no more sorrow, death, and pain. Read Revelation 21 verses 1 to 4. But until then, even if you have a resurrection of the dead right now, you're going to die again. It's all not ending themselves, but means to an end. And even in some cases, you might not get healing. But whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Methuselah lived to be 969 years, and then the Bible says, and he died. So let us not try to normalize an abnormal world. It will not happen. No matter what the spiritual hype we might go through. We want to see God do this. And yes, he will do it according to his will. And he will work miracles and make some miraculous stuff. But guess what? It's going to happen. And so what kind of protection we're talking about? Because if you destroy this body, I'm still protected. Of course, there are different kinds of protection. And we all want physical protection from disease. COVID, we see that everybody wearing a mask and so on. Uh, we're doing everything. Right now, years ago, I was at a funeral yesterday and I heard a minister said that um, if, if, a, if a year ago you went into a, a pharmacy or somewhere with a mask on, maybe they would call the police on you. And no, no, no mask is normal. If you don't wear it, they call the police. You saw the world is all changing. And so therefore, it says here, um, my prayer, it's not that you take them out of this world. Who, who, want to, who want to come out of the world before the Lord returns? The wheat and the tear will go until the day of harvest. We're going to go through stuff. Read the book of Revelation. But yet you get the seven blessings in Revelation you stated here, as I said, on Thursday night. And so 
four, here we find that, that, that um, this is a protection we get, a protection from our soul, a protection from, from what? From the evil. And the word protect here means um, terio, and it emphasizes to guard, to maintain, to preserve. It means spiritually to watch and keep intact, to keep intact them from, and that word for from is ek, one of the words in the Greek, ek, which a preposition means, ek means um, out, from, and to. So in our protection, we're not just protected from the evil one, but we're protected from the evil one as we go closer to God. There, there, there's, a, there's no neutrality. Okay, I'm protected. But in, in, in my protection is that I'm, I'm, I'm getting a close experience with God. In the, in the whole protection process and event, I am, I am experiencing a, close, a closer relationship with God. Because it means out from and also to. If you're just out from protection alone, from alone, then that's incomplete in the word that is used. It means out from and to, to a, to a, to, to a closer relationship with God, to, to, to God's purpose and God's will. The outcome is that we are closer to God in every way. And the enemy tries to keep us away from God. That's the point here. And so it says here, out from the grasp of the enemy, the evil one, into a deep experience of the embrace of God. Out of the grasp and the threats and so on of the enemy, of Satan, of the devil, into the embrace, the experience of the embrace of the triune God of grace. And so that is important. Fifthly, we have guaranteed power. We see that even that Jesus Christ said, one of the ways of protection is that we will be kept from the evil one, is that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. First um, John teaches us that. Because God, Christ is in us, all the powers of evil out there cannot touch, cannot undo us, cannot, can, can persecute and everything, destroy this body, yes, as a thorn in the flesh, you name it, but cannot touch our souls. We have guaranteed power. In closing, how then should we carry this guarantee as expressing the heart of Jesus here into the world that we live in? We see that we have a guarantee of forgiveness of sins. Guarantee of the, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the forgiveness of our sins is not based upon our feelings of forgiveness. It's not based upon our, our um, expectations and what we do, but based upon what God says and the finished work of Jesus Christ. He, he has dealt with the sin. All the sins of the world were heaped upon Jesus in that one sacrifice. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, not holding our sins against them. 2 Corinthians 5. And now he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now they need to be reconciled to God, but we have now been reconciled to God. And the word reconciled, katalaso, it means 
to, to, to be one, to bring someone one with yourself as you are one with yourself. So that's what God has done. God has brought us positionally in Christ to be in him, not becoming God, but in him in a relationship of acceptance and fellowship and so on, as how the sinless one Jesus Christ is. So he becomes, um, we, we share the same relationship with the father that the son has. My father, your father. My God, your God. And so this guaranteed forgiveness is powerful. We see it in Acts chapter 8 in um, verses 1 to 11 with the woman caught in adultery. Jesus does not condemn her. He does not condone her either. He protects before he corrects. He, 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 here's the power of forgiveness. Jesus does not condemn and he does not condone. He said, neither would I condemn you. And he said, go and sin no more. But she was forgiven. And so therefore, this is what Jesus does. He forgives. Satan doesn't want to forgive. He wants us to hold against each other. That's why the Bible says, forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave us. And we see Paul in 2 Corinthians say that we must forgive. In that context, they were to forgive the man who uh, committed the sin in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, 1 to 5. And then, um, and so, and he says, Lest we, if we don't do that, lest we give Satan an opportunity. And so forgiveness is guaranteed if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the, the guarantee of forgiveness and cleansing. And, and many of us, because of feelings and wrong teaching and so on, um, think that we, we, we create, we think that God, the enemy, as I said last week, uh, the enemy tries to tell us his lies that you know God won't forgive you because he wants to keep you in, 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 in captivity, as it were, in a mental condition of your sin. So you give up all hope. You see, Jesus Christ delivering people, saving people from all walks of life, from all kinds of evil, evil witchcraft workers. You name them, Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost. And uh, um, Father Grant used to say um, years ago, and from the, the guttermost. No matter how low you are, no matter how much you feel God miserably, do not stay there like the prodigal son. He was, he was in his condition as he drifted from home and his sinful condition was trying to redefine who he was. And he said, I'm going to come back to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. Let me be a hired servant. Three things here quickly. Number one, he was trying to unworth his worth. I am not worthy to be called your son. He was trying to unworth him worth. Where did he get that from? Not from the father. He got that from his, his sinful condition. And then secondly, he was trying to unson his sonship. Let me, I'm not worthy to be called your son. What? The father would say, the father said, this is my son. The father was looking out. And so therefore, and the, th the third thing, he was trying to displace his placement. Let me be a hired servant. 
this is what sun, sin does for us. It, 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 it tries to redefine or try to disconnect up from our self-identity. That's why in Jesus' temptation in Matthew chapter 4, the enemy came and he says, if you are the son of God, turn the stones into bread. Jesus doesn't answer him in that sense. Jesus says, um, mankind, man shall not live by bread alone because just Christ responds to and, and overcomes Satan's temptation in our humanity, in himself. So you, Satan was trying to disconnect Jesus with the Father. If you are the Son of God, bring doubt in your identity. And that's what the enemy does. God is not like that. That's what happened in Genesis. Um, with, with the serpent came to Adam and Eve. You think God, as if God doesn't have your best interests at heart. And so therefore, if you confess your sins, that's the experience of because God has forgiven our sins, past, present, future, but but if we confess our sins, we experience this, this forgiveness right there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Faithful. It's based upon God's nature. Not unfaithful. Faithful and just. He has dealt with that justice aspect. To forgive us of our sins. And forgiveness is one thing, yes. But to cleanse us. So you feel clean after that. How liberating is this? Because of the guarantee of forgiveness. Now, if we continue, uh, there's another aspect itself. If we continue like that, then God will discipline us further. And if we still continue more, he can even take us prematurely that we might not be condemned with the world. And then now in Luke 15, we see there um, verses 1 to and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's, that is a guarantee of God's immersion. He is immersed in our dirty here and now without getting dirty. You might think, well, you know what? God is only dealing with those elite church and those good people and all that. So, no, no. Where you are, that's where Jesus is. Guaranteed godly impact. Acts chapter 6, chapter 26. Here now as we go into the world, we have this guaranteed godly impact. In verse 18, it says to Paul, there he was in Ephesus and Paul was, 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 was getting persecution and so on. God says, I am Jesus. Now, get up and stand on your feet. <clears throat> I'm with the guarantee of being forgiven and all these things. Paul now was a persecutor, did all of these things. Um, he, he experienced a guarantee of God's forgiveness and transformation. And he says, now get up and stand on your feet, God was telling him. Many of us need to get up from a pity party and stand on our feet and go out into it. I have appeared to you. Uh, I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant. We are servants of God and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. This is what God is saying about um, Paul here. Verse 17 I will rescue you from your own people, that's the Jewish people, and from the Gentiles. This is, uh, this is ironic. God is rescuing them, him from being 
taken prematurely and, 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 and be, um, their deleterious effect with their thinking and plans against him. But yet still, I am sending you to them. He's rescuing him from them and he's sending Paul to them. Wow, this is beautiful. This is, this is where God, you, you think that um, God rescue you from somebody, that means rescue them from you, that means you have nothing to do with them. No, God's reader, I will rescue you from your own people and from, from, from Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. Is your contradiction? No. It means that I, am, I, will, I will rescue you from them for all that they want to do to undo you, to, to mess you up, to, to, to um, besmirch your character, to make you not even fulfill my purpose of, um, of, of assignment I've given you. But these same people, I'm sending you to them. So as he was sent, and, and this is what happened, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Uh, that is so serious. Because we have all these guarantees behind us of the, the, the God working through us in this world and not so much, oh, let God deal with it. God. No, where you are, God will work through you. God will work through me. We need to understand it here. Um, to open their eyes, your spiritual eyes, and turn them from darkness, from paganism, from ignorance, from error, to light. Because we are light, and light represents truth, awareness, understanding of who God is, who they are, and, and, and the world, and so on, and the dangers of sin. And from the power, and the word for power is the word exousia. And the word exousia means authority. From under the authority of Satan. Why? Because we have the authority of Christ. We are under Christ's authority because all the authority has been given unto him both in heaven and on earth. Under the authority from, 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 from here means from the, the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins, guaranteed, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. A lot of people out there, they're, they're in the wrong place. And, and, and it is through this and all the guarantees we have that God is empowering us to where we are and in our prayers and what we do and in our own lives to make sure that, that they, will, uh, uh, they will have a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Their place is not out there. Their place is not in sin. Their place is not being lost. Their place is, is to be placed in Christ. Oh. Two verses and I'm finished. First Corinthians 1 verse 8. We are assured of this confirmation until Jesus comes. We have a guarantee of our security. And he, First Corinthians 1 verse 8, and he will also confirm or 
the Greek word used there means guarantee to make full, fully reliable. In other words, it guarantee that you will be kept to the end. We see it in Thessalonians again. Faithful is he who will do it. Keep you strong and free from any accusation so that you will be blameless and beyond reproach in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus returns. Many of us, are we ready for the coming of the Lord? We're trying to say, okay, um, I'm not so sure. Here is what it says there. Once you're a Christian, this is a guarantee that you have. Guarantee. That means he, he, he confirmed guarantee. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, it says that, and he, and it is he who has also put his seal. And the word for seal there is um, sfragizo, sfragizo. S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O. Frazigizo means to seal, not a mark, a seal signifying ownership and the full security carried out by the backing, the full authority, validating you as his absolute property. 100% is absolute property. And so therefore, here we see here is that um, it is a, it's a seal that is in us. That is, he has appropriated us and certified us as his. We are certified. Many of us are not certified in our kind of stuff. But here, the, the, the word certifying, he has appropriated us and certified us as his. And has given us the Holy Spirit, not, not shall give we need to seek for the Holy Spirit. No, has given us the Spirit. Some, some er, erroneous teaching, you come and, and, and do this and tarry for the Spirit and so on. No, he has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. And the word for pledge in the Greek means as a deposit or a guarantee. The fulfillment of his purpose of eternal life. So we are guaranteed eternal life in the sense we have it already, but to experience it fully in the end with glorified bodies. First, second Corinthians chapter one, verse 22. Oh my goodness, we need to study that one some more. And then we're told, finally, in Ephesians 1, 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until God redeems his own possession for his praise and glory. This is the Holy Spirit given unto us. And the Holy Spirit or possession of the Holy Spirit itself, himself is the guarantee that that which God began in us will keep it going until the return of the Lord. That's guarantee. This is the heart of Jesus in his prayer. This is what Jesus wants us to know. This is what Jesus prayed. And if there's any prayer that must be answered, it's a prayer of Jesus. So even if our prayers are, we cannot doubt our prayers and all these things, well, we shouldn't. One thing we know that John 17, 
is being fulfilled. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word as we look into your text, Lord, and we looked at this word, guarantee. We live based on, help us to rest our faith on Jesus, who is our personal guarantee. And his prayer, oh God, unpacks the content of that guarantee. And so many things we could not get into tonight, this evening, oh God, but what we have covered, we pray, I pray that your word will find root in our hearts through your spirit. And may we meditate on these things and may we live out of this full assurance into our daily lives. We pray all, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.